I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. corner time live right here on Spreaker.com and C2CRadioShow.com. Phew! It has been an exhausting week <laughs> of professional wrestling excitement. We had season premieres. We had series premieres. We had ratings wars. We've had uh, disappointments, possibly. We've had, uh, wow, we've got all kinds of news to talk about, and we are the guys to talk about it. Of course, it's me, Stan Grubb, Brian Taylor. What's up? And it is off to the races for C2C Radio Show. Here we go. Whew, lots to break down. Brian, we have, uh, it's been a busy week, man. Uh, Yeah, it's been a long time since it's been this busy. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of a whole lot of times since we started doing this show. Wow, three years ago. We've been doing this show for three straight years, man. You guys haven't gotten tired of me yet? Uh, Yeah, but, I mean, who else is going to put the bill for us to talk? That's true, that's true. Somebody's got to pay to play. Yep. Uh, so, let's go ahead and talk about it. We went to D.C., the District of Columbia, for AEW's Dynamite, live from the Capital One Arena. We were there for history as it happened, and boy, oh boy, was this a hell of a show. Um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Raw and SmackDown and NXT a little bit here and there, but got to be honest with you, the event of the week for me... And Brian, I'm sure you'll agree, was AEW's Dynamite and the announcement coming right after the show was done that AEW Dark will debut next week. Because we got not only the chance to see AEW's Dynamite, but we got to see some bonus matches, which was really cool. Three of them, if my count is correct. Three. Yep, we we knew going into an AEW show that it was going to be... Not just the two hours, because that just wouldn't be AEW style. I don't think they know how to end anything. What is it? Usually say by 1 o'clock. 
Yeah. The the pay-per-views normally run from like uh noon to midnight. <laughs> well, they finally took a page out of <laughs> WWE's handbook. <laughs> they had to beat them at their own game. That's oh, we're true. just going to keep them in the seats forever. <laughs> hey, well, if they can't go home, they can't watch your comp- competition. That's right. Pulling a page on a SpongeBob. <laughs> 3 hours later. <laughs> Uh, AEW Dynamite starts off with uh, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and uh, Excalibur at the broadcast desk. Uh, were you expecting this this trio of uh, broadcasters? Uh, why wouldn't you? Well, uh, they. I mean, as soon as they say Tony Schiavone's been signed, yeah. you have to know him and Ross are together. And Excalibur's done a fantastic job in the pay-per-views. So why wouldn't you just do the the modern thing of having three announcers and three good announcers, I should say, and uh, keep it that way? So there were there were reports about the broadcast team for AEW that apparently said that they weren't meshing well and that there was some kind of energy lacking, but. Um, granted, we were there live, so we didn't hear the broadcasting until after the fact, but when I watched it back, um, there was no loss of energy or anything like that. They actually sounded really good together. Yeah, this is, uh, the typical, dare I say it, bobbleheads. Oh, jeez. You know. Here we go. Trying to... Name calling, sir. (laughs) Trying to just automatically put... Put down a uh, better show for week one, anyway. For, yeah, for and this. I'm not sure exactly why they would have thought that there was no energy. These guys were excited. Um, they were up in the right up moments. They were down in the right down moments. There wasn't any kind of delay or tempo delay. Now, I will say this: maybe Britt Baker doesn't need to do color commentary. Um, not her strong suit. Yeah, I, I might agree there, but getting back to the commentary thing, mm-hmm. um, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to inform you, especially if you were born after the mid-90s, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross uh, have been together for years in another federation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were some of the best uh, pairings, if you're going to go all time, it would probably rank up there in the top five. Um, so, next time you got something to complain about, let's not complain about something, you know, that, that is actually working. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why anybody, if you're going to pick a fight, if you're going to sit there and complain about something for AEW... You know, there's a couple things that I can think of that, that kind of concern me, but nothing as far as the broadcast team or anything like that. So, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll get to some of those other pieces here as we go forward. But I wanted to address that straight out because I really thought they sounded good. And it was great to hear Tony Schiavone broadcasting again. And, again, this is a guy that has done it a long, long time with Jim Ross. So I don't imagine there's going to be any kind of – Rust or uh, lack of cadence between the two. Not just Jim Ross, but he's done it with several other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been doing it, oh my, as long as I can remember. 
Um, 80s? Early 80s? Maybe? Um, maybe late 70s? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, just out of my memory pull it out. I know the early 80s. Um, so it's not like he is brand new. Right. He's And not only that, but he's been doing baseball. Right? So... I know baseball's not as fast as wrestling as far as probably calling it. But this guy's a pro, been doing it for God, 30, 30 no, probably almost 40 years, if not 40 years. Jim Ross is in the same boat, been doing it for a very long time. I mean, if we're going to complain about something, or let's try something different. Well, something that makes sense for, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say though that there, to me, because I did watch watch it on replay, because mm-hmm. I really wanted to hear Shivani and Ross. Right, I'd been waiting for a long time. I mean, because that takes me back to the old days for me. So that's like a little nostalgia trip. Yeah, and there was maybe a little problem with audio from time to time. And I don't know if maybe that's what they're talking about. Um, but, yeah, again, I I didn't hear them offbeat. Uh, I don't even know if uh, any of them really screwed up calling moves or anything like that. Well, I mean, it, and it doesn't surprise me that somebody's going to try to pull down what they were doing. But, again, this is one of those situations where when you're going to attack something, let's make sure that you're you're aiming for something that makes sense. Um, so opening matchup for, for Dynamite was Sammy Guevara versus the American Nightmare Cody. Uh, the, the place, by the way, the energy in the arena was off the charts. And when Cody's music hit, and we'll get to complaint number one that I had, I don't have a whole lot of them, but complaint number one is that we couldn't hear their theme music. And if you're trying to connect and, and create some degree of recognition with your audience on that, you're going to have to find a way to fix that up. Now, that could be a technical issue from just the arena, and they might have no problem with it in Boston, or they might just have to figure it out as they go. I mean, this is episode one, so I'm not going to say but so much. But anyway, Cody comes out, and the eruption from the crowd, the pop that he got was ridiculous. And it was sustained for a good what three minutes? Yeah, it was. It was went on for quite a while. Um, and conversely, when Sammy Guevara came out, the booing that ensued—probably <laughs> the loudest that Guevara has ever heard. And I don't mean that as a slight to Guevara. I just mean if they didn't love Cody that much, they wouldn't have. I don't know that they would have hated Guevara as much. Yeah, it, it, I. He would probably be one of those guys where if he wasn't facing Cody, they probably would have cheered him. Probably so. Probably so. I mean, and the thing that that we noticed is the the matchup between the two, Cody was basically working like he was a bad guy. Just the mannerisms of what he was doing and some of the things he was doing was kind of like he was a bad guy. And then all of a sudden it takes a wicked turn with – Cody going for the suicide dive and Guevara pulling Brandy into the way. And and the, the crowd, if there was a doubt about Guevara, because he was starting to get some crowd response in a positive way, 
But uh, that quickly, quickly changed as as Cody ends up colliding with Brandy Rhodes on the outside. Um, and at this point, you know, you had to have had a feeling that this would be the time that the match goes into again, into high gear, and it definitely did. The noise level was insane. Um, there was uh, what was the what did he do from the time? It was a it was a reverse or an inverted superplex. It was like a I don't even remember what they call it, but that one was pretty awesome. And uh, I honestly felt like that's where the match should have ended. But it ends actually after Guevara goes for uh, what appeared to be like a shooting star press. But Cody gets the knees up. Guevara bounces up. And then Cody ends up rolling up up into a small package. So that was all she wrote. Cody with the first victory on AEW Dynamite. And uh, interesting enough to see Cody in uh, in that spot where Dusty Rhodes would have been if, if Dusty was still healthy enough to compete back in the day. I'm tracking you. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that uh, really was cool to see. I really liked the energy level of just the fan base. That... There were some times where... I wasn't sure how the fans would react. Like we're in, we're in line, and for those of you on our Facebook page, you saw I gave you know a little thirty minute or thirty minute, haha, thirty second snippets of just how the crowd was and what the energy level was. There were a couple times before we got indoors that I felt like maybe we might see a split crowd because of some of the WWE shirts walking around, but there was absolutely no doubt. As soon as the show started, as soon as Cody and Brandy came up through the stage. That was definitely all she wrote, and <laughs> I, I gotta say it was an impressive way to start the show because on the other side of the, of the page, NXT decided to start their show with Matt Riddle and um, Adam Cole. With I will say this, they had a great title match. It was a great title defense. So for comparing matches, Riddle and Cole may have been the better match, but for the energy and for the response, Cody and Sammy really blew the roof off. I still have not watched NXT. I was... I want to put it that NXT brought a great show. Because they did. The okay, they well, hold on, great, hold on, but... hold on. Hold on. Let, let's stay the course. Yeah. And then, then we'll hit... You can hit NXT. I'll give you, like, three minutes to, like, cover NXT. <laughs> and I'm going to cut you off. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Three minutes. Three minutes. Oh, not three minutes. That's warning. all you Jeez. get. Three minutes. You've been working with Easy E too much. Uh, <laughs> so after the first match goes out, goes out, Tony Schiavone hits the ring, and for the moment, it's like uh, we're gonna we're gonna get an old old fashioned Tony Schiavone in ring interview, and I was kind of excited for this, but uh, alas, it was not to be. Guevara kind of distracts Cody. They do the handshake, and out comes our first option to see opportunity to see Chris Jericho and Jericho lays into Cody Rhodes and beats him from pillar to post. I mean, <laughs> threw him all around ringside, hit him with the belt, hit him with the, uh, the timekeepers table. It was interesting, but I did want to go ahead and kind of point out before all that went down, there was a very emotional moment between Tony Schiavone and Cody Rhodes. That was awesome. It was just absolutely electric and it was amazing. Yeah, um, you can see. Well, that's the good thing about Cody. You can normally always see 
excuse me, the emotion on his face, um, which is uh, interesting to me because a lot of them, you won't see that type of emotion. Right. And it, it looks like with Cody, it's actual genuine emotion. Yeah, the the photos that I put up, and, and I will be updating the website with the photos that are of better quality. I, I, I'm not going to put up pictures that are blurry because it's just no sense in that. But the one that I did capture was off of the uh, the big screen, the big screen, the Tron, I guess, of Cody and, and Tony sharing like a very just emotional moment. You could see that Cody was a little caught up and a little bit teary-eyed, and I'm sure Tony was too, just them commenting that his dad would definitely be proud. But can I get it back into the swing of things? Jericho, again, beat the tar out of Cody Rhodes. Just beat him absolutely senseless. And uh, we start getting to the point where Jericho is basically <laughs> going off on the crowd and talking about how he's Le Champion and all that. And I, Again, Say what you want about Chris Jericho and the way he looks sometimes, because I get it. Sometimes he's got that drunk uncle appearance, but <laughs> you can't disregard any of the stuff that he's doing right now. And you can't disregard the fact that, quite frankly, he's still one of the top performers at the top of his game today. And what, is he almost 50? Uh, I don't think he's quite that old. Maybe, uh, well, I guess he's maybe nearing 50. I don't I mean, think he is quite 50. And that's just that's just a testament to him staying in great shape, being able to find a way to keep healthy, and also to find a way to make things make sense. Yeah. It was not just make sense, but to entertain. Yeah. And, like, literally um, keep you on your seat, yeah. on the edge of your seat. Let's see. Um I mean, I'm I, I, for where he's at. I mean, I think he's doing. Uh, if you ranked the SmackDown, NXT, and Raw champion, mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing just as much as they are. So it might be a close uh, ranking. I saw an interesting statistic, and we know that this statistic is going to change very quickly, so it only has relevance this week, and after that, I think it all goes to the wayside. By the way, Chris Jericho is actually 48, so just an even bigger testament to his conditioning. Um, anyway, there, on Twitter, there was a, a comment between uh, just WWE fans and AEW fans kind of talking about the dynamic of Chris Jericho and Brock Lesnar wrestling pretty well the same amount of matches at this time in 2019. I get why a fan would mention that. I do, because there is the sense that, at least right now, and I and I want to stress that because as we get to the end of the year, Jericho is going to more than triple that match count. But Well... All right, maybe by the end of this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, the the dynamic for the moment is true. I mean, he's worked, I wouldn't say a, a part-time schedule, but a limited schedule. A smart schedule, I think, is a better way to describe it. Whereas Brock Lesnar, his... <laughs> it's hard, because I can see that if I was him, I'd take the money and run, too. But, you know, you would think you would want to perform at least more than just once every six months. But Yeah, but... 
I mean, in, in the same breath, though, we are forgetting that this is their own, their first TV show. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not so, exactly like he's had a lot of opportunity. Right. Outside of that. So, and again, that's why I said this is the only real week that there's any relevance to it because once it, once we get, you know, gosh, even towards the end of November, because I just don't see Brock wrestling on a weekly basis, maybe once a month. No. Um, okay, so moving on, uh, did you want to jump in on anything so far? Nope. Sounds okay. good so far. All right, you just chime in when you're ready. No, um, oh, I, I, well, let me do this there too. There you go. Um, <laughs> So I did mention earlier about the uh, on the replay about mm-hmm. the noise. Um, you really uh, cannot tell how loud that crowd was on some of the spots on the replay. Yeah, the um, that's another. Oh, my Tivo, I, I guess. My yeah, one of the concerns I have, not just with ring music, but as audio in general. You gotta. You're gonna need to turn up your broadcasters. They don't have to be screaming in your ear, but they need to be louder. And we need to be able to hear the crowd, because that crowd in DC, we were there, man. It was ridiculous. It mm-hmm. was. Uh, what did we 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 called it Attitude Era esque, maybe. Yeah, I I think it's been a very long time, because I I don't recall anything. Uh, as far as crowd noise since the Monday Night Wars, right. like that, and, and yeah, I mean it was just they did them no favors by they didn't mute it, but they just there's got to be a way to amplify that in your playback. Not be unfair to it, you know. You don't want to make it like you're exaggerating the noise, but well, yeah, but I mean the WWE does it, and you can hear the crowd noise. Right, right. AEW does it their first show, and you have no, you can't hear the crowd. Yeah. So maybe it's a matter of just a touch on the mic sensitivity. Again, I want to be fair with the concerns or the criticism that I have, but I think this is just something that they they adjust over time. I'm I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So match number two, which. Uh, this one I did see some complaints about on Twitter, and I guess I get it, but I'm still not sure exactly what happened because from our perspective, this matchup was actually pretty good. Um, MJF versus Brandon Cutler. Of course, the backstory is Cutler's basically basically the Young Bucks uh, buddy who got a position because they wanted him to have one, and he hasn't really earned it under MJF's commentary. MJF has gone in and basically said he was going to make short work of him. Brandon Cutler has something to prove. I thought these guys really had a decent matchup. Yeah, there was a couple moments where there's just some miscues, but a quick matchup between the two tells a good story as far as putting MJF in a position to to look good but look cocky at the same time. And, frankly, it looked like Brandon Cutler hurt his leg, but he was able to walk away. So, I don't know. We've not heard anything else about it. Yeah, the, uh, this one was definitely not my favorite. Uh, almost made me second guess there for being the second match of the night. Like, uh, oh, oh, this is this could go. This whole thing could go south quick. <laughs> yeah, it, get, it did kind of give you reason to be concerned because, again, with it was 
I want to word this right. Would you consider it maybe uh, an issue with communication between the two? I mean, did it oh, just seem that maybe they just weren't really having very good chemistry, I guess? I I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I, I I think it's possible it's not it's just the chemistry, but, um, I mean, who knows? It could be nerves. It could be any yeah. number of things. Well, and that was so. one of the things we noticed about Guevara and Cody. At first, Guevara was just going 90 miles an hour. And while that's great in a matchup with another cruiserweight, cruiserweight Cody Rhodes is not. <laughs> so mm. he had to slow down. He did in the matchup, the pace of the matchup went the way it was supposed to from that point. So I think you might have a point. They could have just been some simple simple case of nerves. Yeah. So I got to change uh, the batteries in my controller real quick. So <laughs> okay. I will be right back, hopefully. Okay. Very In just a second. All right. So, z- zipping into from MJF uh, coming out on top with a submission victory, by the way, using a Fujiwara armbar. Um, I was under the impression MJF actually had a different finishing hold, but I guess we'll see w- more of what he can do as we go forward. But uh, moving on, Chris Van Villet, or Villet, I still don't know how that's pronounced. I'm going to have to do some do some looking on that and, and approve that before next week. But however, has an interview segment at ringside with director, writer, and actor Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Uh, before the show actually started, we saw the trailer for Jay and Silent Bob. Um, they're coming back with a new movie. That looked really cool. But um, So now we've got Jay and Silent Bob at ringside in their interview, just kind of talking about their experience at AEW. But out comes uh, the hybrid 2.0, which is Jack Evans and and Helico. They come down, and uh, as Evans starts just basically making fun out of uh, making fun of Muse and making fun of uh, Silent Bob, saying Morris Day and the time sucks, uh, basically just getting getting irritated now. Muse yanks the mic, the mic away from him and starts mocking him. So, like, now they're going back and forth. Then Private Party walks around. They kind of get interrupted, interrupt the segment. SCU is out there now, and SCU is now being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Uh, I guess Tony Schiavone now is doing doing ringside interviews, kind of like me and Gene Okerlund, um, at least for the time being, until they figure out if Alicia Tout's going to do it or Christopher Van Villay is going to do it. Um, one or the other, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, before we go too too far into the Lucha Brothers can, and SCU thing, I felt can like... Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, all right, cool. I felt Sorry. like um, the segment with uh, Jay and Silent Bob was just awkward. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And the the thing with uh, Private Party and, and Hybrid 2.0 didn't make any sense because we didn't see him again for the rest of the night until... Well, we'll talk about what happened after the show ended, but we didn't really see any reason for them to interact. Same thing can be said for the segment right after with the interview segment between the Lucha Brothers and SCU, but at least with the Lucha Brothers and SCU, we've got implications for the tag tournament, which I guess you could say for the for the previous two tag teams, um, but also we get to find out who's going to represent SCU in the tournament, and that's going to be uh, Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, which... It's interesting because that means Scorpio Sky is going to be the singles competitor out of the group. And I would have, honestly, I think I would have preferred to see Daniels be the singles competitor there. Well, uh, um, I think that might just be for the tournament. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I imagine uh, when they finally get the titles, because I'm sure they will sooner or later, it'll be very much Freebird rules with them. Yeah. Well, so, and that, that would be fine with me as long as there's as long as they keep their attention on the tag division like they have been because that that has been the biggest strong suit for AEW outside of their women's division because I mean to me as long as you've got a good main event three or four guys you can build off that so I don't feel any concern about how AEW handles that but their women's division and their tag division are key points and they've done so well with building the tag division um, if as long as they keep the focus there I don't care which part the SCU competes yeah, well, I think, uh, again, you're going to find that based on who helped form that company, yeah, that you're going to get the emphasis on, um, you know, certain things that you don't get anywhere else. So you'll get an emphasis on tag. You'll get an emphasis on the, the female division. Uh, I think eventually you'll probably even get a six-man. Yeah. Um, and sooner or later, you get some mid-card belt. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 